Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. You with our changing world on RNZ National, and now defining the Anthropocene. According to the geological timescale, we live in an epoch known as the Holocene. Geologists have agreed that it began 11,700 years ago at the end of the last major ice age. But depending on what the International Commission on Stratigraphy decides later this year, the Holocene may yield to the Anthropocene. Colin Summerhays is Emeritus Associate at the Scott Polar Research Institute and is currently Erskine Fellow at the University of Canterbury. He's also one of the members of the Anthropocene Working Group, which is investigating the idea of defining a new epoch. And he tells Alison about this process and about the geological timescale. We divide the, the geological timescale up into convenient pieces. So we have the Paleozoic era, which is 500 million years ago to around about 300 million years ago. Then we have the Mesozoic, which is middle time. And uh, then we have the Cenozoic, which is the most recent period of time, the last 65 million years. And that makes it easier for us to do our work. And then you subdivide those eras? Each of those eras would be divided into, into different epochs. And the way we decide on the boundary of those epochs is there has to have been some often major geological event that's recognisable globally and uh, often it's the change of one fossil group to another fossil group. Uh, your listeners will be familiar with the end of the Cretaceous when the dinosaurs were wiped out and after that there weren't any dinosaurs. We have uh, more like the organisms we have today. So those sorts of geological happenings, large volcanic events or meteor impacts, help us to actually divide up the fossil record so very significant geological events. Yeah, they are very significant events, and uh, often they're associated with a significant change in uh, climate. How far back does the timescale go? The timescale goes back for the full 4.5 billion years of the Earth's history, uh, but where we have the greatest ease in dividing the timescale up is for the past 500 million years during which there have been hard fossil parts so that we can get the remains of particular organisms. 500 million years ago, they were things called trilobites crawling around on the seabed. And uh, they're very useful for dating rocks in that era. And then more recently, we have other kinds of fossils we use for dividing up the younger periods in, of time. So epochs are one of the smaller subdivisions. What are we in at the moment? We are now in the Holocene epoch, which is the most recent geological epoch. This uh, is the warm period at the end of the last ice age, and it's been going for 11,700 years. Tell me about the body that defines this geological timescale. That's the Inter International uh, Stratigraphic Commission, uh, which is a part of the geological community that decides upon the precise positions of the geological boundaries of these different geological eras and epochs. 
at the moment there is a subcommittee, am I right, of that that's considering something called the Anthropocene. So do you want to tell me a little bit about what the Anthropocene is? When did we start using it as a term? What is it? Well, the Anthropocene means the human influence time. Anthropo stands for human, and scene stands for time. It comes from the ancient Greek. And so what we are considering is the extent to which within the Holocene period, the past 11,700 years, during that period, when did man begin to have a really significant impact uh, upon the face of the earth so that geologists in a future era looking back on this time would say, ooh, there's been a major change there. I wonder what could have caused that. When did we start talking about the Anthropocene? When did the term come from? Uh, the term originated, I think, in the late 70s. It was coined by a, uh, a Dutch Nobel scientist, Paul Crutzen, to explain the, the fact that there were big changes in things like the nitrogen cycle. And he would expect those changes to be uh, quite important in looking back on this period of time. So tell me about some of these measurable changes that we're seeing that we're causing well, uh, you imagine we are now using lots of materials we didn't used to use before, like concrete, glass, plastic, and uh, we're producing lots of different kind of metals, uh, all the metals you use in things like your mobile phone, which are very unusual sorts of metals. So we're doing all sorts of different things to the planet, and those materials are now found in deposits on the ground. And so that means that we're getting a new type of geological material that was created by man and that's now widespread across the surface of the planet. What about something smaller than rock-like things? What about sediments? Is that another signature that we're leaving? Uh, yes, we are leaving sedimentary signatures. Well, of course, you know, we are terraforming the planet, if I can use that expression. We are changing the face of the planet through our agriculture, for example. Something like 70% of the surface of the planet is now farmed. So this is very different from the way it used to be through most of that 11,700 years of Holocene time. Uh, we are putting dams on rivers. Uh, there's uh, one new dam goes up every year. And what uh, dams do is they stop the supply of silt to the sea and they stop the supply of sand to the sea. And so what you start getting immediately is coastal erosion because no more sand is getting to feed the beach. So we are making quite big changes uh, to the planet in many different ways. What about atmospheric emissions? We hear a lot about carbon emissions. Yes, well, uh, we put lots of stuff into the atmosphere, don't we? Uh, um, pollutants from smokestacks and pollutants coming out the tailpipes of cars. And these contribute in many ways. I mean, I can give you one example which has nothing to do with climate change. That's persistent organic pollutants, things like DDT and uh, chlorofluorocarbons, the complex chemicals we put into the environment. Um, they get blown by the winds and they end up, for example, in the Arctic. Uh, they end up in fish and the polar bears eat the fish and we find that polar bear livers are full of these strange chemicals. So are the livers of Eskimo peoples and so this is not good for their health. So things go into the atmosphere from our operations that uh, you know we have very little control over. And amongst them, of course, is the carbon dioxide that goes into the air from us burning fossil fuels and that in turn is causing uh, global warming. Atomic bombs and nuclear testing have left quite a signature as well, haven't they? Yes, there is a profound chemical signature also from our uh, atomic explosions. Uh, the first one of these in the air was uh, 1945 test in New Mexico. 
And then, of course, there were the bombs dropped on Japan in the war. Um, and then later there was a lot of aerial testing of nuclear weapons. And that has left a very significant chemical signature. For example, the isotope plutonium-239 will be around in our surface sediments and lakes and plants for um, another 100,000 years. Now, these signatures have different timescales. So the farming one began thousands of years ago. The nuclear signature you can date very specifically to the 1950s, 1960s. Is this one of the things that the working group is considering about when exactly do you declare it to be the Anthropocene? Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, of course, modern humans have been around on the planet for 200,000 years, but of course their numbers were very small and they were mostly into hunting. It's not until the past 10,000 years when cities first were invented as a form of living that uh, our forebears started extensive farming and even then they only did it in certain limited areas and they their population was still small so they had a limited effect on the landscape except locally or in particular regions like the Fertile Crescent in, uh, in the Middle East. Uh, but now our population is up to uh, 7 billion and rising and, uh, and, and we are farming most of the farmable land on the planet. So things are now very, very different. So what you see is an exponential increase in human effects on the planet. And if you're going to put a geological boundary somewhere, you have to put that boundary at some place where those signals become really very recognizable. And so the very recognizable part is where that exponential curve of growth really starts its rapid upturn. And that is around about uh, 1950. So this is something that was in a recent science paper that you were a contributor to. Yes, the group that I'm on is called the Anthropocene Working Group that is trying to come up with the evidence to convince other geologists on the commission that they should indeed uh, decree that this is a a particular boundary, and we are now accumulating that, uh, that evidence. And our, our position is that the evidence we see is now strong enough for us to put a boundary in. We have yet to advise them on precisely where that boundary is, but our feeling is it should be somewhere around about 1950. And the reason for that is, uh, first of all, this is when the exponential curve of human activities really rises. And what we can see is the increases in the production of materials uh, such as plastics and brick and concrete and all these other things really went through a massive upswing at the end of World War II. In World War II, of course, industry adapted itself to fighting the World War and all sorts of new industrial processes came along to make it, make it faster to produce bullets and tanks and guns and uh, aircraft for fighting wars. And after the war, those new industrial techniques became adopted by everybody for producing just about everything. So there's been a huge outgrowth in the production of the materials for public consumption. And that's what we see having fueled this massive uptick at that particular time. Are we too close <coughs> to the action, though? Should we be, in a sense, rushing to try and define it now? Would we be better off to wait 50, 100 years or something, look back with the benefit of hindsight? Yeah, it's a very good question. Um, should we wait? Well, we could wait, um, but I don't think it would change the story very much because our population is actually going to go on growing. Uh, the United Nations tells us that our population is going to peak by 
2050, it's going to be about 10 billion. And those 10 billion people are going to want more products, they're going to want more food, they're going to want to farm more agricultural land, and they're going to need more products. So we're going to go on producing stuff which is going to have a signal in the geological record, and that signal is just going to get progressively bigger. So what we're looking at is a growing signal, and our job is to define the point on that growing signal where we should select a boundary. And we feel that we know enough about that now to say the boundary should be somewhere about 1950. So what are the options for how it might fit with the Holocene? Well, the Holocene uh, would be the Holocene Epoch, and it would officially come to an end in 1950. Uh, that would be the start of a new epoch, the Anthropocene Epoch. Could it just become a subdivision of the Holocene? Yes, I suppose it could become just a subdivision of the Holocene, but uh, I don't think human effects are going to go away. I think we're stuck with this permanent transfiguration of the Earth's surface and uh, what I call terraforming. You know, we have terraformed the planet, and uh, it's not going to go back. What's the time frame for making a decision? Uh, the International Stratigraphic Commission has to make a decision sometime this year, so they would want us to put our conclusions to them by about the middle of, um, of this year, and we have a meeting in the spring in Oslo to help us to come to our final conclusions. That was Colin Summerhays, Emeritus Associate at the Scott Polar Research Institute and a member of the Anthropocene Working Group. Thanks for listening to this Our Changing World podcast. Check out our webpage for photos and web features, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. Kia ora mai. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.